We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven and with me today is Jason. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm great. It's way too hot here though. It is way too hot here in Central California. So Tyler, as some of you have known, has begun his internship and for the stem cell research. He's going to do some great things there. Uh, so he's going on a little bit of a Guilty as Charged hiatus for a little bit. So it's just going to be me and Jason uh, for the foreseeable future, and, and Tyler will hop on whenever he's able to. Um, but obviously, we're rooting for him, and we know that he is going to do some great things in that field. So, obviously, the Chargers had some news come out on Monday. They came to terms on a one year deal to bring Damian Square back. I'm very excited about this move. Jason, are you excited? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hyped for it. I mean, I like Damian Square, he's a really smart player, and it's just really fun to watch his technique at work. So, I mean, it's a it's a thrill to have him back, and it's a position of really just desperation at this point. Just sign whoever you right. can. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's great that they got a familiar guy there who is vastly underutilized as a pass rusher as well. So we'll we'll see how it turns out this year with Linval Joseph next to him. I think that those two should be the starters. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. I have a feeling it's going to be more joseph and jones but we'll see i'm excited either way whether he's depth or as a starting presence to have him back yeah me and you have been kind of uh pounding the drum to have to bring him back for the last few weeks um i thought that his game against the chiefs was one of the better games from a chargers defensive tackle last year the game in mexico city i thought he played excellent um i also wouldn't have minded bringing sylvester williams back i thought sylvester williams played very good in the chicago and oakland game um, but definitely this is this is a good move because the Chargers needed depth at this position and really just some veteran leadership is always a good thing and 
you know, Damon Square is a pretty versatile player because he can play end, he can play inside, he can play nose, he can play three techniques. So big fan of this move and, and happy to have him back. So kind of want to shift gears. Uh, I put this question out on Twitter about Dak Prescott and uh, whether or not people would trade for him and what would they trade for him. Yeah, why did you uh, do that? I was just curious to see overall what people would think about that kind of scenario. Um, obviously, I don't think the Chargers should trade for him. I think that you know they're, they're set at quarterback with Tyrod and, and Justin Herbert for the future. Well, hopefully Herbert develops. Um, but I was just curious to see if enough people thought highly enough of Dak that they would consider trading for him. And uh, thankfully, it was a resounding no. Um, so Dak obviously has not signed his long-term agreement. Um, there's rumors that he wants $40 million or more. <laughs> so... Jason, if you're the Cowboys, what do you do with Dak at this point? Um, you kind of have to sign him at this point. I mean, they don't have to. They could go with a rookie contract, but it would be really just – it'd be kind of a, a telltale sign, almost like a them conceding we've messed up our salary our, right. uh, because they went and signed Zeke first, which I thought was stupid. Zeke had no business trying to get signed before Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. It was Dak and Amari's turn, and Zeke kind of jumped over them and said, no, I'm, I'm holding out until I get a contract, which running backs holding out for contracts, whatever, man. I, mean, I think that's a pretty bad business decision, but the Cowboys love their running backs, and um, which is funny. I actually thought the Chargers were going to be in like the same position of where like they love their running backs, so yeah. they would re-sign him. So I'm still surprised that they did not sign Melvin Gordon. Um, but they they would kind of concede there if they let Dak Prescott go. Of hey, we kind of messed up because it wouldn't be too big of a deal signing Dak Prescott to like a thirty-five, forty million dollar a year deal. It wouldn't be like the worst because in five years' time, that contract's not going to seem that bad. We see it all the time where it's like outrageous. Right. How could you give that quarterback that much money? And then like two years later, he's making like change. <laughs> so, right. I mean, remember when people thought the $20 million deal for who was it? Kaepernick was way too much. Yeah, it, the Kaepernick deal was, was considered outrageous. And then Derek every Carr. quarterback contract at its time was outrageous. They're right. Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, you know, all these guys that are getting paid. It's just a result of the the cap space. So it'll be really interesting to see how that pans out. And obviously, you know, I think the cap space in general after this upcoming season is going to go down. So um, that'll be really interesting specifically for the Cowboys because if they just have Dak on a franchise tag this year, then there's no way they're going to have the space to, to bring him back next year either. I just don't know at this point like why a team would sign their running back before their quarterback is under contract. Yeah. That doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. You you knew this was coming. You knew Dak Prescott was going to be in this position, and you still signed Zeke prior to that. And um, you know you have all these media presences saying like go go get your bag players and fluff the owners and all that crap. But I don't I don't know. I just. What I do know is it was a bad business decision to go and sign Zeke before Dak. So if I was the Cowboys, I would have conceded at this point. If I was the Cowboys GM, I would have been like, I'm out. Peace. But, right. I mean, because I wouldn't have made that decision. That would have that would have been somebody else's decision. I would have been very unhappy about it. But, 
Dak, Zeke, I, I don't think either of those players are franchise players. I really don't. Zeke, I, I refuse to acknowledge to this day why people <laughs> think he is so good. I don't get it. I, I, I don't know. I watch, like, even Jordan Howard, and I think Jordan Howard's just as good as Ezekiel Elliott. And, like, maybe that's too far. I don't know. I don't like Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think he's that good. So for him to leapfrog Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, I'm getting into a – I'm going into a rant is what's happening here. Go um, for it. So for him to leapfrog those two guys makes no sense to me. And for the team to just give in to his demands and pay the man, I, I, good for you. You got the money like everybody – like that. Like that's what's being preached around the league. You got your money. You kind of screwed your team over. And this team, in comparison, screwed over the guys that need money this year or next year. And it's going to be the same case with Dak Prescott. Um, you know, if you pay him and you pay Damari and you pay Zeke, that's about all they're going to be able to afford. They're not going to be able to afford much more after that because those guys are going to be making a combined, let's see, Dak Prescott for one million. Dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. It's going to be a lot money. of money. <laughs> Too much money. So, I mean – Good for the players. Bad for the team. I wouldn't have made the decision. I'd have been like, "Here's Zeke. Here's twenty bucks." And <laughs> well, the timing out. of it was was weird too because he had two years left on his deal. Right. Like his deal isn't up until after this season. Right. He, so he totally leapfrogged his quarterback. You know, and that in turn is going to hurt the team a bit. And I I don't know, man. Maybe they think that they can roll with Amari and Dak and Zeke. Because I mean, if you want to get a crowd at your stadium. That trio, they're big names. They're big names. You got Dak, you got Amari, you got Zeke. That, that'll bring in fans because you have a guarantee each week that you're going to come see your franchise quarterback, franchise running back, and franchise receiver. So you're going right. to get butts in the seats, but you're not going to get players in the lockers because you can't afford them. So I don't know. I don't know. It's looking weird for Dallas, and I would, I would trade nothing. Dak and I would pay nothing for Dak. I would just take my chances <laughs> with the rookie. Yeah, well, they have Andy Dalton too, so I think honestly, you know, Andy Dalton on a one-year deal would be uh, would be mighty enticing right about now. But the, that's the thing is, like, let's say Dak and the Cowboys are not able to come to a long-term agreement, and Dak's like, all right, well, I want out of here. Just, There's really only like three or four teams maximum that need a quarterback right now, or need a quarterback, maybe upgrade. or like. It's a fine line, and I was thinking about this a while back where prior to this last year, I was like, what team even needs a quarterback? Because they either have a young developing guy or they have like a veteran there, so it's like not a need. But I've kind of come to understand that just because you have a name on your team does not mean like you don't need a quarterback. Like the Bears, oh, but they have Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. They have their veteran and their young guy. They absolutely need a quarterback. (laughs) Absolutely. And right. if you asked me a year ago, and I've been like, oh, Mitch Trubisky is a developmental player. They'll be patient. No, it doesn't work like that. Teams aren't patient anymore. So, right. I mean, it's a carousel. It really is. And, like, you think about all the teams that need a quarterback. Panthers still need a quarterback, man. Um, Bears need a quarterback. I could see Seattle drafting a quarterback soon. With uh, Russell Wilson is, what, 33 now? Yeah, and they've they've weirdly like never been all in on Russell Wilson. It's been a weird thing to watch. Right, and then the reports that Wilson was potentially going to be traded to the Browns for what a first round pick, and that was it. It was going to be the number one pick, so that they could take. I <sighs> think they wanted Sam Darnold. Um, uh. Yeah, 
Ew. I don't understand. I think Russell Wilson is one of the more underrated players in all time because he's, you know, he's just this amazing player. He never causes any trouble. He's like the fact that the Seahawks have this amazing quarterback, but they still run the ball 50 times a game just makes me so mad. Like they run Chris Carson into the, into the dirt and they have Russell Wilson and it's like, nah, here, Chris Carson, here's 35 carries a game. It's, it's just infuriating to watch. Um, so that kind of leads me to the next point that I wanted to, to talk about here is uh, Nate Burleson went on Good Morning Football and was talking about, uh, well, not just Nate, but they were talking about the best quarterback, running back, and wide receiver trios in the league. Uh, I was actually surprised that no one said Dallas because, you know, Dak, Zeke, and Amari is, is perceived as, as a high-quality trio. Um, but Nate said the Titans with Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and A.J. Brown. Um, Jason, your thoughts? <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown. So, what? Okay, hold on. <laughs> um, so, let, let's let's kind of go and look for other comparisons here. I, I am 90% sure I would take Tyrod, Allen, and Eckler over that trio, but okay. So AJ Brown is pretty good. We'll start there. AJ Brown is pretty he good. Is. He's a, he is. he is a wide receiver one at this point. He was, and I knew he was going to be, I don't understand how he fell to the second round leading up to that season. I was for sure like that. He was going to be a top 15 pick. I don't know how he fell. It was just weird to me. Uh, I think teams are still struggling to realize that separation is the number one thing to look for in a receiver. And they're still looking for their Doriel Green Beckhams and stuff, trying to find the oh next Calvin Johnson. And it's just not working. Like, even, um, what's his name, Whiteside for the Eagles, he had the same problem. He just did not separate well in college. But everybody's like, look at his ball skills. Look at his tracking. And I'm just like, man, but he cannot separate. He's not open. He, he just can't. And it's just, it happens all the time. But it, anyway, back to the, to, to the what? To the Titans. <laughs> Back to the Titans. You're looking at Ryan Tannehill, who is maybe just barely like a top 20 quarterback. Um, and who is in a good situation, which is why he looks so good. Then right. you've got Derrick Henry, who is is good. I, he led the league in rushing, which is what all the, I had a bunch of Titan fans in my mention saying, well, Derrick Henry is the best running back in the league. And it's like, well. He's, he's not the best running back in the league, though. Yeah, I mean, I Derrick Henry's interesting because his lateral movement is crap. Like it's <laughs> awful. His right. vision not that good. But, but he just runs people over. Yeah. And, but he doesn't even do that. He just like runs and he yeah. wins. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing. You watch tape on him. You're like, oh, he missed an open hole right there. Next play, ninety yard run, and you're just like, what? Right. Like nobody touched him. He didn't have to juke anybody. He just kind of ran. And you're just like, okay. Well, Tennessee is great at blocking, apparently. Well, I mean, not apparently. They they are really good at blocking. They are really good. But I I will give Derrick Henry the respect of like he is a top five running back right now. Um, So when you have a top 20 quarterback, I'd say a top 30 receiver in A.J. Brown. That's fair. And then you have a top five running back in Derrick Henry. Look, top 20 and top 30 does not equal the best 
like trio yeah. in the league. The Titans don't yeah. even I don't understand that. Like even when you go to Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Mari Cooper, I'd say that could be like that's a pretty comparable trio. Um but I'd say Dallas is better. I would say the Seahawks are better because Russell Wilson is amazing. Chris Carson is he does what needs to be done. And then they have, like, take your pick, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett is so freaking underrated. It's ridiculous. And I don't understand how him and Russ don't get more credit because Tyler Lockett, that dude deserves way more targets than he gets because his route running, his speed, his ball skills, all amazing. And it's like they don't – it's like the Seahawks don't understand that he's wide receiver one. They treat him like he's their wide receiver three, and it's really weird. Um Let's go to the Colts with Marlon Mack, Phillip Rivers, T.Y. Hilton. That's a pretty good drill. Um, dude, the Patriots, Jarrett Stidham. And, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Jarrett Stidham, Julian Edelman, and Sonny Michelle. They're not winning anything with that trio. They're going to have to work on that a little bit. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough to watch. I think if you're talking about the best trios, like, like you mentioned, you have to start with the quarterback. And so even if you look at the Chiefs with Mahomes – Edwards Hilaire or Damian Williams and then Tyree Kill, to me, so that's good. an amazing trio because you have the best quarterback, you have a top five to eight receiver, and then you have some really talented running backs. So I think you have to really take into account like the quarterback is the most important position on the football field. So right. why would you start there with Ryan Tannehill? I like I like Ryan Tannehill, but he was in the perfect situation for him. He's great on play action. And he is great when he's not under pressure, and that's what the Titans do well. They block well. They run the football well. And then you look at what he did in the playoffs, and it was like he all he had to do was hand the ball to Derrick Henry 50 times a game, and, and they were great. And I loved watching them upset all these teams. It was a lot of fun to watch. But, you know, that's not how you create an elite quarterback reputation. So which trio would you take? Tannehill, Henry, and Brown? Or Tua, Howard and Parker. Oh man, I, it, I would take the Dolphins because I, I think Tua has a much higher ceiling. Obviously, we don't know what he's going to do right away, but I mean, you can build around Tua. Like, I don't know if you can build around Brian Tannehill. I think at this point, his story is kind of written, and so the fact that he has a limited upside, like at best, he's what a top fifteen quarterback, like best, best case yeah, scenario. I, so. I mean, so, he might. Quarterbacks are weird like that, and it's why I don't understand why teams don't have more patience with them and don't experiment with quarterbacks around the league a bit more before spending so much draft capital on one. Like, um, I still think the Chargers should have just rolled with Terod Taylor for a for a year before they drafted a quarterback. Like these quarterbacks, sometimes it just takes a different team, a different scheme, or even just a different like mentality. Maybe it just clicks for them one season, and then they're on it. It, it happens pretty often for quarterbacks so i mean it's weird to say like Tannehill, he had his breakout season at what 31 30 yeah and steve young he didn't even get a chance to start until the end of his career and then case keenum went and had a minneapolis miracle with at what was he 29 at the time it's just weird quarterbacks are weird man and there are not a lot of quarterbacks in this league that are elite like that and um I'd say there's like three quarterbacks in this league that are elite to right now, like Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers, maybe Aaron Rodgers. And it's like that's 
that's about it. Like, can you name any others? I mean, it depends on how you feel about like Matt Ryan. Well, I would say I would say Deshaun Watson is up there, but his offensive line is atrocious, and now his best receiver is Randall Cobb. So funny enough, a lot of people would disagree with the Deshaun Watson thing. I was really surprised. Yeah. I yeah. I was pretty sure that Deshaun Watson should be in like that top three elite category. But so many people actually do not like him. Like a lot of good analysts out there do not like Deshaun Watson, which is the weirdest thing to me. It is weird. I, I love Deshaun Watson, and I like he's doing these amazing things on a team that is not doing a good enough job to support him. Um, I also want to mention here a trio that I think is going to make a jump up this year, which is the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. I think he's going to make a big time leap in his second year. I love DeAndre Hopkins. I think DeAndre Hopkins is is probably a top three or four receiver in this league. And I think Kenyon Drake fits what they want to do perfectly. I think that he was vastly underutilized in Miami, and I think really they never had a situation around him where he was able to succeed. So I really like that trio. I think they're going to take a step up forward. And I'm, you know, Kyler Murray's getting some MVP buzz right now. I don't know if I would go that far, but I really like what I saw from Kyler Murray and that team. And obviously they beefed up the off- offensive line with Josh Jones. Um and I think the Cardinals, I think they could probably win eight or nine games this year. And I think they're going to be a, a popular dark horse pick, but I could definitely see them uh, making some moves. So what is a, an underrated trio that you like in the league? Hmm. If you could think of one. So here's a fun one. Where You obviously don't have to give a specific number, but where would you put the bills of Josh Allen... Zach Moss and Stephon Diggs. I'm not a big fan of Josh Allen, so it would be pretty far down there. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think... I'm okay with Zach Moss. I like him actually, and Stephon Diggs obviously is a great receiver, but I'm not a big believer in Josh Allen. I'm just not. I don't no. like. I see the big arm. I don't see the processing. Um. And I don't see the accuracy. So, I mean, he's got a big time turnover problem, like big time. And yeah. uh, him and Daniel Jones are very similar in that regard. Daniel uh, Jones is a weird enigma. People try telling me all the time that he, like, the Giants were right and everybody else looks stupid. Daniel Jones had like 30 turnovers. Okay. 18 <laughs> fumbles in 12 games, dude. Ridiculous amount of turnovers. It's like, come on, man. I don't know why people don't take fumbles into consideration when looking at a quarterback's like touchdown to turnover ratio, there's like, no, oh, look, he only had like 10 interceptions. And you're just like, well, 18 fumbles, <laughs> 28 turnovers, turnovers, a turnover, man. And so, I mean, and how many fumbles like were lost? Like the 18 fumbles lost. Right. But how many times did he like fumble? Uh, I would have to look that up. I, I want to say it was 18 lost and like 21 or 22 that he, Fumbled. Good lord, man. Good lord. Maybe somebody some small hands or something. Somebody give that man a hand growth <laughs> surgery. Get him just <laughs> stack a fingertip on top of his fingers already. That's bad. That's bad. Uh, so you mentioned the Chargers trio of Tyrod and Eckler and Keenan Allen. Uh, I think that's an underrated trio as well. I'm, I'm, the two of us are very excited about Tyrod Taylor. Uh, let's talk about that though for a little bit in the financial regard because. Let's say Tyrod comes out and you think he's going to have a big season. If he does have that big season, 
what do you do from a financial standpoint? Because if he balls out and the Chargers win 10, 11 games, make a playoff run, you kind of have to keep Tyrod around, right? I mean, the Vikings didn't keep Keenum. That's true. So, and then the Broncos didn't keep Tebow. So, I mean, they could move on from Tyrod Taylor after after a playoff appearance. I would rather them not do that. It just really depends on the context of the season, though. Yeah. It really does. Like, was it Eckler or Allen carrying the team and Tyrod Taylor was just kind of there delivering whatever, you know, just the basic throws that were needed to carry the game along? Or were they – was he making a difference? Was he – clutch in desperate situations anything like that like if I still don't understand the Keenum thing completely but I kind of do I mean that's just how it is for veteran quarterbacks even though he had the Minneapolis miracle where it was last ditch ever throw that ball up in the air and Stefan Diggs came down and raced to the end zone awesome play by the way I don't even like the Vikings and I was super excited I was yeah I was tripping yeah um and they, they still thought Kirk Cousins was better a better option, which is debatable. I mean, Kirk Cousins is fine, but, but he's definitely way more expensive. Yep. Yep. He is. And you know, that move might have led to Stefan Diggs leaving. So who knows? It's all in hindsight, but it's just really hard to say. I think the team made their choice by drafting Justin Herbert, which I also didn't like, but, (laughs) <laughs> We've talked about that so much that right. um, I won't talk about how much I dislike Justin Herbert as a quarterback. We will just not talk about his lack of processing at all or his inaccuracy at all. You know, we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna ignore all keep those it positive. Problems. We're not gonna keep talk about it. We are gonna keep it positive. Justin Herbert is a great. He has great hair. And he does have great. He hair. has great hair, and he's honestly a really great person. I'm really rooting for him. I'm super excited to see him as a Charger. I love that he's been a Chargers fan. But just back to the to Rod Taylor thing, I I, I do think that they're going to move with, on with Herbert next year, unless like they see something really bad throughout this year where they're just like, mm, nope. Uh, and maybe they're like, hey Taylor, let's take another two year contract with us. But assuming he takes the Chargers to the playoffs, is he looking for a big deal? Is he looking for that that Tannehill-type deal? I mean, could be. Um, So we'll we'll have to wait and see with that. I don't think the Chargers would give him that because they already have their their rookie QB contract on the roster, and they do have to pay guys like Bosa, Ingram, Allen, potentially King. And the Chargers are set up very interestingly, and I've been thinking about this for, for a bit now. They have they went and signed the veterans, but they still drafted their rookie quarterback. Right. And so, like, it looks like they're making, like, a one- to two-year push or even a three-year push. So, like, let's stack up this offense and defense for Terod Taylor. And once Terod Taylor leaves, there's kind of a bridge of a team there for Justin Herbert for him to get comfortable. Really good situation. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to watch how they built the roster and how they've structured those contracts. Like it's a lot of three year deals, um, so it's it gives the opportunity for Herbert to be in a good situation, but it also gives Taylor the opportunity to be that leader of the team this year. And um, honestly, just don't know what's going to happen there. I 
I love Tyrod Taylor. I think he needs stability, and everything has been pointing to Anthony Lynn wants Tyrod Taylor to be a successful quarterback this season. He wants Taylor to be the Chargers quarterback. So if that's the case, that would lead me to believe that Lynn is going to pound the table for Telesco to re-sign Taylor. But, I mean, if I'm Telesco, I mean, if I'm Telesco and I chose to draft Herbert, I want Herbert to play. Then I want Herbert on the field to play, right? Right. And so, eh, I don't know. I don't know. It is, I, that's entirely. I think Telesco's made his decision already. But if Taylor goes and throws like twenty-eight plus touchdowns or something, or even like twenty-five plus touchdowns, and protects the ball like he usually does, where he's only throwing like six, seven interceptions. Then you'd have to think they what I don't know. That's a tough question. It is a tough question. And I, I firmly believe in the value of having a, a veteran backup quarterback, someone that could come in just in case Herbert does get injured in the future. And so if Tyrod Taylor does want to remain a charger, I'm all for him coming back. And if he's the backup, I'm you know that I think that's a good situation for the Chargers, but I think that would be tough because if he does just come out and have this stellar season, then we've seen this time and time again. If you pay a quarterback, then you have to take sacrifices in other places. So um, maybe if you if he balls out and you bring him back, then maybe that means they can't bring back Melvin Ingram or something like that, uh, one of the, the lower-tiered free agents of next year. So that'll be really interesting to watch for sure. Um, you know, I think Justin Herbert, I think, really should – not play this season. I think Tyron Taylor should have all 16 games and the playoffs, especially now that we know for sure the teams and the players are not going to be able to uh, show up to the facility until training camp. I think that's really going to put an, put all these rookies in a difficult situation. And, you know, really outside of maybe Joshua Kelly, I think this rookie class is, this is going to be back-to-back years where the rookies don't make a big impact on the Chargers, unfortunately because there's no offseason at all, and all they have is training camp. So that'll be in, it'll really interesting to watch. I think Justin Herbert really should be getting a redshirt year. I thought that going in, but now with the pandemic the way it is and the fact that we all know that teams are not back until training camp, I think Justin Herbert needs to be holding a clipboard and watching Tyron Taylor learn. And I know you feel the same way as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just mainly just because I don't like Justin Herbert. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's fine. Yeah, I'm. Ex- I think that the Chargers will be able to to, to develop him. Excuse me. That was a little bit of a stutter problem there, but moving past that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the Chargers are in a good situation, and I think that, like you mentioned, they have a good enough roster around whoever is playing quarterback that they can kind of prop them up and make sure that they can play to the best of their abilities and not be forced into a situation where they have to carry the team. Can we, I'm so depressed that we didn't get to see Mike McCoy with a rookie quarterback. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like rookie quarterback throws a pick and Mike McCoy is just like, way to go champ. You get yeah. him next time. Good job, buddy. I'm just like, ugh, kill me. The fact that Mike McCoy was able to just ruin the Chargers and then stay in the NFL for a couple of years after that, just like... Ruin the Chargers and then go ruin David Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I don't understand either, but I'm just kind of upset that we didn't get to see Mike McCoy find a quarterback to run QB draw with 20 times a game. Oh my gosh. 
Give him Lamar Jackson on the Ravens and just run QB draw. Over and over and over. They would run three plays. Quarterback draw, halfback dive, and a swing pass out left. (laughs) The worst part is a halfback dive out of the gun. Yeah. Like, well, we could do so many things out of the gun. Yeah, you can. Doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Man, Mike McCoy. So we're going to move on for a second, and this will be kind of our, our last topic of the episode. Uh, Peter King released a power ranking oh. one through 32 teams, and uh, I'll just run through them really fast. So he has one Chiefs, two Ravens, three Saints, four Niners, five Buccaneers, six Seahawks. So I think one through six, like that's fine. I understand that. Uh, then he has seven, the Titans, eight, the Raiders, nine, the Cowboys, 10 Steelers, uh, any problems there with the first t- with the top ten of Peter King? The Raiders, yeah, <laughs> at eight. I he... don't. As long as Derek Carr is the quarterback for the Raiders, I'm not making them top ten or top fifteen in any ranking. That's interesting, and their defense yeah. still stuck. Their defense still sucks. Yeah. Why is what is that ranking? So he he loves the offseason that they had uh, with Henry Ruggs sure. and uh, what's his name, the guy from Kentucky, Lynn Bowden, which I sure. understand that those are fine picks. Um, but like you said, their defense is still awful. Really, it's just their offensive line is huge and can push people around. And Josh Jacobs is a good running back. Fair. And, that, and then I really like Darren Waller, but that's like it. Yeah, I think Fair. Derek Carr is underrated by Chargers fans just because it's like, oh, he's on the Raiders. We have to hate him. But still, like, at best, he's, like, top 15. I actually know more Raiders fans than Chargers fans that hate Derek Carr. Really? Uh-huh. Raiders fans really do not like Derek Carr. Maybe maybe I'll bring somebody onto the podcast. Raiders fan, I, I know. On that would be fun. Yeah. It's really interesting because you hear guys like um, – Jordy Nelson and James Jones, who are like Derek Carr is special. He really has a great arm. He's got he's got such so much talent in that arm. And then you watch him play, and you're like, I don't see it happening a lot. He's like he's like Dak Prescott in the black and silver. <laughs> yeah, minus all the running. True. So he sucks, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I view Derek Carr pretty much the same way as I view Ryan Tannehill, where I'm like, if you have him, like, and you have a great team around him, like, you could probably be solid. But that's the thing, is the Raiders don't have a great team around him. Right. And their head coach, like, I don't trust John Gruden to win close games. Like, I just don't. I don't think that he is able to really execute, and maybe that's a Derek Carr thing. John Ooh. Gruden's best weapon in Phillip Rivers is now gone. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, so is Andy Reid. So Andy Reid and John Gruden are shedding some tears this offseason. <laughs> oh, uh, but, yeah, Derek Carr's best trait, the only thing I like about him is that he's from Fresno State. So Go dogs. So moving down the list, he has the Vikings at 11, the Packers at 12, Bills 13, Colts 14. He really likes the Philip Rivers edition. Eagles 15, Rams 16, Bears 17, 18 Cardinals, Dolphins 19, and Broncos at 20. There's a few of those teams that should not be above the Broncos. I, I unfortunately love what the Broncos did this offseason. 
Um, I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I am Drew all Locke... in on the Broncos, man. They yeah. they did some they did some big boy moves. Uh, the only question mark is Drew Locke. That's the only thing I don't know. I was not a big Drew Locke fan out of college. I thought he was like okay. I didn't think he was great. So I'm kind of getting disproven on that one. Drew Locke proving me wrong so far, but he only had like a couple games. So he started like seven games or six games or something like that. And people are already saying he's like their franchise QB. Yeah. And we've seen even like Baker Mayfield who had a great rookie season and had an awful second year. So, you know, quarterbacks really need some time to to develop. And with the lack of the off season, I'll be interesting to see how he plays. Fortunately Uh, for Drew Locke, Freddie Kitchens is his head coach. Yes, that is very true. Freddie Kitchens, who went from quarterbacks coach to head coach, which was so confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Dolphins at 19 is confusing. As much as I like the Cardinals, them at 18 is a bit of a reach. Uh, he thinks Nick Foles is going to start and kind of solve all the problems with the ah! Bears. Ha, 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 ha. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. Why does this keep <laughs> happening? I love that the Jaguars went and signed Nick Foles, and they're like, look, our quarterback situation is fixed, everybody. And right. then not only like did he get hurt, he also got outperformed by Gardner yeah. Minshew. Like Gardner Minshew beat him, and yeah. like they even brought Nick Foles and like, hey, look, we signed him as our starter. He is our franchise quarterback. Um, they paid him like he was so anyway. And then Nick Foles continued to suck, and so they're like, actually, Gardner We're Minshew is yeah. okay. Um, yeah. Which I mean was just wasted Gardner Minshew development. Like develop your young guy if he's performing well but Nick Foles is not an answer and I've seen even some Bears fans they're like Nick Foles is going to win out win the job before week one even and we're going to go 10 and 6 I'm just like oh no you've fallen into the trap the Bears have tricked you just like Jacksonville tricked their fans it is a trap because I mean really it's a toss-up because Trubisky and Foles I feel like they're the equivalent like they're really on the same level but Trubisky is a little more mobile and can do some things with his feet a little, a little bit. But the Bears don't have a great offensive cast around either quarterback. You know, I think Allen Robinson is really underrated. I think he's probably like a top 12 receiver. But that's pretty much it. I don't like their running back situation. Tariq Cohen, I think he's a fine gadget player. But, you know, he's not exactly like a James White or Austin Eckler type receiving running back. And maybe David Montgomery progresses a little bit more, but maybe not. But... Who's their second best receiver? I don't even know. And then they have twelve tight ends on their roster, and Jimmy Graham is their best one apparently. So oh I, my I don't gosh. understand that one. Their their tight end obsession is really fun to watch. <laughs> it is odd. It's so amusing. Yeah. So moving down the rest of the list, they have the Patriots, or he has the Patriots at twenty one, the Texans at twenty two, the Chargers at twenty three, Browns at twenty four, Falcons at twenty five, Lions twenty six, Bengals twenty seven. Jets, 28, Panthers, 29, Giants, 30, Redskins, 31, and Jaguars rounding out the list. I I like the last couple. I don't understand why the Falcons are rated so low. Yeah, I think the Falcons are extremely talented. You know, they have a first-round pick at, like, every position on offense now, which is just insane. Um, and that's another one. And talking about quarterback, running back, receiver trios is if Todd Gurley is healthy, you know, that trio is fantastic and you know, I think they upgraded a tight end with, uh, uh, what's his name, Hurst over Austin Hooper. Um, and the Patriots, like, 
maybe Jared Stidham is awful, but Bill Belichick is going to figure it out. Like, I can't imagine the Patriots are going to be around there. And then the Chargers at 23, um, that's interesting. I, you know, he wasn't super confident in Tyrod Taylor, so I can kind of understand why he has the Chargers at 23. That's definitely too low to me, and having the Raiders and the Broncos over the Chargers does not make sense to me. I get it. I understand it. I might even agree with it if I wasn't such a big Terod Taylor fan. But I actually think Taylor's going to kill it, so I do disagree. I don't think it's far-fetched. I don't think it's like outrageous that the Chargers are at 23. But No, definitely not outrageous. It's... I'd say the Chargers are a better team than the Raiders. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, if you look at it from a standpoint of AFC West, it's, like, debatable if the Chargers are better than the Raiders or the Raiders are better than the Chargers, um, I guess, because the Raiders have had success going into last – like, they, they wiped out the Chargers last season. The, the Chargers did not do good that season, so right. – um, Everything we're you, doing with the Chargers is really projecting right now because the roster is so different. Right. And that's kind of the thing going into a season is everybody's like, oh, we swept you last season or uh, our team went 12-4, and four, your team went 4-12. and 12. It's like, well, it's a new season every year, and the NFL is really inconsistent. There are no dynasties in the NFL except for the Patriots. But right. it's not like where if you're a good basketball team, you're going to remain a good basketball team for a while. Uh, because like that's how the NBA works. Like you have your five great players, and you can keep those five players together. Yeah. Uh, majority of the time, you can unless they just hate each other. Like what happened in OKC or whatever happened there. Um, but like you can create a team that's going to work for years. Whereas the NFL, it it flip flops a lot on who's going to win, especially in the NFC. Like the NFC is different every single year. Um, the stacked. only consistency is that the Patriots are good at football, and that's it. And even that is in question now. So, I mean, we'll see. But I rank every team differently every single year. I do not carry over last year's performance to next year. I've been bitten by that too many times. And I just look at this Chargers roster and I look at their uh, culture that they're kind of setting here um, and what scheme they're looking to run. And I'm like, I'm more confident in this Chargers team than I was in, in last year's team. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Chargers could definitely surprise some people. And like you mentioned, the NFL is is so up and down, and that's why one of the reasons why I love it, because the the, the parody is, is all over the place. And I think we it's safe to say that I think the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Saints, and the Niners are probably going to be the four, four of the better teams in the league. But outside of that, we don't really know. You know, I think, you know, maybe the Cardinals come out and just shock the world, or maybe the Titans take a big step back, or maybe... The Packers take a big step back, which I think is pretty likely. Maybe the Bills win 13 games. We don't really know at this point because the NFL is so different every single year. And you, know, you can take a look at the Patriots now. Like Patriots have lost 40% of the roster, and they lost the best quarterback of all time. So it's just so different. And right now, I think it's it's funny to project these teams right now and power rank them because, like I said, one through four, you're probably pretty safe. Outside of that, and maybe maybe thirty to thirty two, you're probably pretty safe. But you know, from four to twenty eight, it really is a guessing game at this point. Yeah, it's it's always a guessing game with the NFL. You can never be 
sure on who's going to win. That's what makes the NFL awesome. Like prior to the NBA season, we all understood that like the West Conference's playoff was, was going to come down to the Lakers versus the Clippers. It's just yeah. how it was, how the teams were built. You knew it. Whereas the yeah. NFL, it doesn't matter how your roster looks. Sometimes it's just the stars <laughs> align. And it's it's just the way it is. And the Steelers should not have been competitive last year, but they were. So yeah. there's there's no being able to tell at all. Yeah. It, so much of winning the NFL is luck and timing, and I think that's what people don't really understand. Like I was watching um, the Seahawks and the Packers NFC Championship game from 2014, and the Seahawks ended up winning, but the Packers really should have won that game. The Packers were really dominating, and they were the better team that day. It's just the Seahawks got lucky, and they made clutch plays in certain moments, and that really is what it comes down to in the NFL is how do you perform in clutch moments? How do you perform? How do you how, What kind of luck do you have? Like I think the Titans, they were a good team last year, but they got clicking at the right time. Mm-hmm. They figured out what they wanted to do and what kind of attitude they wanted to have, and they made great plays in, in clutch moments, and they were able to upset all these different teams. And you know, so much of the NFL is just timing and luck. And I think and being able to make your field goals. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately for the Chargers, that has not been the case. Make your field goals and keep all your players from getting hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Speaking of kickers, what did you make of? I know you tweeted a little bit about it, but the potential change i know they tabled it for now but the potential change of the onside kick rule where you can get fourth why did they not do that i thought it would be so fun to to have that option that would have been awesome and like oh come on the only one that can make an onside kick in the nfl right now is young way Koo. which is so funny that's just weird um <laughs> stupid chargers didn't realize it sooner uh <laughs> Like also, that's that's just weird. Young Waiku being like this onside kick master is totally something that would happen to the Chargers after they right. released him. That's one hundred percent Chargers. Um, but I mean, it's just like the onside kick is so near impossible now. Yeah. Um. Aside from Young Waiku doing it three times in a row in the same game, that was weird. But three times in a row, I still can't get over that. This is just it's the crazy. oddest moment ever for me. But it's, like, so near impossible now that it's almost, like, pointless. So why have it? Uh, And I think in a league where you have Lamar Jackson, you have Patrick Mahomes, you want points to get on the board. You know, people watched that Chiefs-Rams game a couple years back, and everybody was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Um, And then you had the other crowd going, ugh, this is gross. I miss my... (laughs) I missed my 1965 6-3 to win right. against the traditional Oakland Raiders versus Green Bay Packers. You're just like, <laughs> come on, man. Or Los Angeles Raiders. I don't know. I don't know. Where were the Raiders in 1960? <laughs> I don't know. I think L.A., yeah. I don't care about the Raiders, all right? This is a Chargers podcast. Um, and thankfully not like a Packers podcast or something because oh, we would have died by now. Oh yeah, I can't imagine how Packers fans are feeling right now. That that draft was so weird. It's disgusting. Like, like taking Jordan Love, I can understand that. We both like Jordan Love. Like it kind of makes sense. But then AJ Dillon in the second and a blocking tight end in the third. I was like, every single round, I was like, okay, now they're gonna get a receiver. Nope. No. Okay, never. now they're gonna get one, and then they don't. In the best receiver draft ever. They Except- signed Devin Funches. They were set. Oh my god. Come on, Steven. <laughs> And don't you know 
that A.J. Dillon is going to be a weapon for them. They added a weapon, A.J. Dillon. They also drafted a, th- a fullback in the third round, okay? Yeah. Remember when Chargers fans wanted A.J. Dillon? Oh, my goodness. That was fun. I thought it was a stretch that they wanted him in the fifth round, and then they started talking about the third round, and I was like, Chargers fans, calm down. And then right. the Packers took him in the second round. And I was yeah. just like, what is this? What is yeah. this? But if A.J. Dillon goes off, I'm going to be very confused. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to watch. I think the NFC is really has a lot of good teams. I think the AFC, we pretty much know it's like the Chiefs and the Ravens. But, you know, you're going down this list, you have the Saints, the Niners, the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys, the Vikings. Like, the NFC is going to be really fun to watch this year. And, you know, the seven playoff team starts this year so that's gonna be even more interesting that's gonna add a lot of intrigue and i think it's gonna be a fun season overall um i think we're trending in the right direction for fan attendance you know even if it's a at least a limited capacity i think you know we'll get there with some kind of fan attendance which is good news and you know i'm just excited for football to be back we're inching closer and you know i think football is going to start on time it's going to be really uh, crazy because the fall is going to have the NBA playoffs, the World Series, the NHL playoffs, and football season all at the same time. So we're going to go from no sports for three months to having every single sport playing their season all at once. Three of those leagues in the playoffs. September and October are going to be crazy this year. So you're telling me we're going to go from having no sports to having all the sports and me still only watching football. (laughs) I guess so. Uh, Tyler actually tweeted out that if the NBA finals goes seven games, the game seven, the last game of the finals would be the same night as chargers at saints, Monday night football. So obviously I would be watching Monday night football, but I think, you know, it'd be tough to, to not flip back and forth every once in a while. Uh, I would have zero interest in the finals. (laughs) Zero? Like zero interest. I'd be watching that Chargers game, and I would just look at the final box score of the finals, and that's it. Basketball is so boring. Whoa. It's so boring. I can't stand it. Baseball, too, is just not as bad because my girlfriend loves baseball. So, I mean, you think baseball is less boring than basketball? I'm going to have to say that because baseball is is my girlfriend's sport. Okay, that's if fine. I, if I say otherwise, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> that's fine. Me and my wife actually bonded over basketball and, and how much we like LeBron James. So um, up until the podcast, I think probably basketball and football were pretty even for me. Um, not college basketball. College basketball is terrible. <laughs> but the NBA, man, I love the NBA. So that's going to be exciting to watch. Hopefully my guy LeBron can, can win, a, win a ship this year in L.A. I'll tell you what um, I will watch. I'll watch Clippers versus Lakers in the in the playoffs. I'll watch all those games because yeah. every time those two played in the season, it was like I actually it's got intense. into it. Yeah. I, those it games intense. were high energy. Oh, that was so much fun. I, that's going to be fun because you have two of the best players in the league going at each other and guarding each other and LeBron and Kawhi, which you hardly ever get to see these days with the small ball era and the lack of centers. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but they're doing a 22-team Return And so they're having 13 Western Conference and nine Eastern Conference teams. So that'll be really interesting to see. Goes to show how much the Eastern Conference sucks is what it does. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. There's only two teams from the West that are not making a trip. To They're doing it all at Disney World. So all these teams, all these athletes get to go back to their normal lives and get a free trip to Disney World. So that's fun. Oh, man. <laughs> it's the only time I wished I was a pro basketball player. <laughs> Disney World's fun, man. So, Jason, any other thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Um... Joshua Kelly sucks. Oh, whoa. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I just I just wanted to have Steven double take that. Um, no, no real thoughts outside of just um, I miss football. Same. And the, Same. and these days, these times, I miss football. Yeah, but it's coming back. You know, it's June, and this time normally we'd be about two months away from training camp. So. Uh, I don't think fans will be able to attend training camp this year, but you know, I don't think I would closer. want to at this point. Keep me away, yeah. <laughs> gosh! I went. Did you go last year? Or no. any time before? No. So I, I went to a training camp last year, and it was so much fun. I believe it. I just with the way twenty twenty is trending, I like fully believe that we go to training camp and it's just like nuked or something. <laughs> I'm good. I'll I'll stay in my small towns. Away from all the, all, yeah, all the evil of 2020. Yeah, this year has been crazy for sure. Um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for us today. Make sure you check out my film breakdown of Rayshon Jenkins and Drew Tranquil. Those were the two most requested. Those are up on our Patreon account. Um, we do really appreciate you guys staying on. We know times are tough right now. Um, I'm gonna be keep keeping. I'm gonna continue my series of film breakdowns throughout the summer. Lots of good content on there. Uh, we did do our hat giveaway, so make sure you sign up on our Patreon. If Even if it's a dollar, we do appreciate that, and that gets you some cool benefits of being in some giveaways and looking at some film with us. Uh, you can find me at Stephen I. Hagland and at GSA Podcast 17 Jason, where can they find you? At Centauri13 on Twitter, at GAC Podcast 17 on Instagram. It is a very unloved account. We're gonna, I need to fix it. I really need to take care of it. Um, but, yeah, you can find me there, and just stay safe. Stay safe, y'all. Yeah, everyone, stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, go Chargers. We're happy to do this podcast for you guys. Thank you all for the support, and please review and rank us wherever you are listening to this podcast. All right, thanks. Bye. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.